This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome to the Shoot Once Podcast, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, here talking Blue Jackets, mostly a lot of NHL, not a lot of Blue Jackets news this week, but in just the last day or so, we've started to get a lot of movement on what we think might be happening. And a lot of this reporting is coming from Pierre Lebrun uh, of The Athletic, uh, and TSN, and Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. Now, before we get into all this discussion about the league reopening, uh, I know, first of all, I've, I've actually been watching some sports this week. Uh, Bundesliga out of, out of Germany started playing soccer again, and I've actually watched some soccer. Watched a little bit of UFC last night. I'm not big into combat sports. I know there's some racing going on today. I'm not a big auto sports fan. I'm Team sports, I'm kind of a big, uh, is where I'm really big on, uh, you know, if they, I think there's even some golf today, which I might actually check out for a minute, which is really weird if you know me, but there's, there's been question as to whether this should even be happening. Um, almost every time you see a tweet online about, oh, well, this is the plan and this might be what happens. It doesn't take long before you get people saying, oh, they just care about the money. They're going to let players be, uh, you know, be put in danger. There was a, a player from the Capitals apparently this week that said something about not wanting to return to play because of the danger to the player's health. And and I wanted to give my thoughts on that before we jump into everything. Because something that's been talked about a lot recently, or at least that I've heard a lot, is that when you have something, especially in America, that has become this politicized, like how we go forward with with all of this... And that it's literally, when we talk about things reopening or keeping certain things closed, it's literally affecting every person's life. We want to know, how do you handle that? Because normally when you're talking politics, and and again, this isn't a political show, but this issue has become so politicized that I feel like you kind of have to address it a little bit. Normally when you're talking politics, when you're talking, oh, this person did this, or this bill's doing this, we're not talking about something that's immediately affecting your life. Now, for some people, they are. I mean, obviously, that's why we discuss these issues, and that's why people are passionate about them. But it's not as if, you know, if this specific thing happens, then in the next two or three days, you have to change how you live. That that's that's what we're talking about here. I mean, things that have that much of an immediate impact on people's lives, which is kind of unprecedented for most of us. But to the idea of, you know, oh, this isn't necessary, this is just entertainment, this is my general response to that. When would be the right time? Is it when we get a vaccine? Because, I mean, that could be two or three years. I know a lot of people are talking big about, oh, we're going to have one by the fall, but nobody knows. So at some point you have to make a decision of how long do I wait to try and do something normal again? Now, I'm not saying we go back to having full arenas. I'm not saying that you go back to getting on cruise ships. Because, I mean, I, I do take this seriously and I do think there's a lot of danger in this virus. And But at the same time, you can only stay locked in your house for so long and just going and getting the bare essentials from the grocery store. I mean, every time you order a pizza, you're if you have it, even if you just order the pizza, the fact that you think people should be going to a place and making pizzas that you can then buy, whether it's pickup or delivery, 
you're saying that that person is then in the same type of danger to go because they need to go to work. I mean, to an extent, everybody's getting there eventually. We we can't keep everything shut down forever and only have the absolute essential things going. I mean, we, we pretty much haven't done that from day one. I mean, it's not like the liquor stores have closed almost anywhere. So, I mean, it, it gives you a sense of where we're at. That's kind of how I feel about this. Now, and I feel better about it in terms of sports than most other things because Domino's, it's not like they had the employees vote on whether they went back or not. I mean, you get a sense... I mean, the, the way all these leagues are working with their players' associations and unions, the players have a big voice in what's going to happen here. So, and, and I get it that they'll vote and there'll be some guys who still won't want to go play and, and the league's going to have to figure that out. And, you know, the vote's not going to be 100%. And But, you know, we're in a messy situation and, and not everything's going to work out perfectly. So you, you kind of have to ask yourself how long until we do some version of going back to our lives and going back to doing things the way you want to. Uh, I mean, I we've, me personally, uh, the way we've, me and my wife, my family have kind of decided to handle this is we, we're starting to kind of, with with certain precautions in place, you start going back into doing things you, you do before there was this whole big lockdown. The idea being, you know, at least in Ohio, they had a big plan as far as expanding hospitals so those wouldn't be overrun if we had a huge spike, that sort of thing. And you, you know, and you watch things, you watch infection rates in different areas, and you try and make the best decisions you can, and you wear a mask when you go out, and you make sure to wash your hands and do all the right things. But at the end of the day, there is only so much you can do, and, and you can't just be doing nothing forever. So that's where we're at, um, and that's why I understand the NHL's role of, okay, we shut down in mid-March, by the time we play again, it'll have been what? March to April to mid-May is where we're at now, so we're already at two months. By the time they actually start playing hockey games again, it'll probably be close to three months that they were shut down, allowing for, you know, rolled-out hospital stuff, studying of the disease. I mean, to an extent, you have to kind of jump back in at some point. So that being said, let's jump into what we're going to be kind of discussing here today in, in all this. And again, there's been a lot of movement just recently. And I'm, if, if you're watching the video version, you know, I, I the reason I want to start doing a YouTube version of the show is that I think when I talk about so many articles and advanced stats, having those things that you can see can be quite useful. And that's why I do the video version of the show. Now, if you, if you like the audio version, you want to stick with that, great. That's not going anywhere. But I, I would encourage you to check out the YouTube channel as well as we're doing more stuff there. But Pierre Lebrun just earlier this morning, Sunday morning, tweeted out, Sources indicate the return to play committee has talked throughout the weekend. NHL, NHLPA making progress on... See, that's where I was talking about the players have a voice in this. Making progress on a 24-team format. Sources also stressing that there's still work to be done, but clearly the weekend has produced some traction. More talks expected over the next day or two. Again, tough to handicap at this point whether a format gets agreed upon this week or not which means we might be closing in on a real decision. A reminder that the NHL has a board of governors call Monday at 3 p.m. and that the league may announce the decision on the draft this week. So this is where it looks like we're heading for it, this 2014 format. Um, and, and there's a lot of people with pushback on this, saying that it lets in too many teams, it lets in too many mediocre and bad teams. And 
And a point with this and the draft I just want to address. I think I did it on last week's show, but I want to do it again. As Whatever they decide on, some team is going to look at it and say, we were robbed. We, we should have gotten this deal and we got this deal instead. This isn't right. And they're not wrong when they say that because it's the same thing. I mean, everybody's had this happen when they were a kid or if you have a kid like I do, you've seen this happen where you're playing a game with them and all of a sudden when things don't go the way they want, they start saying, oh, there's a new rule and now if you're under 15, you get extra money in Monopoly or something like that. Like they do that. Actually, my mom and my daughter, they're playing Monopoly and uh, she was having trouble so they started making up all sorts of silly rules about how there were, uh, she got a stimulus check so she got extra money and all sorts of goofy stuff. But, but when you look at where teams are at, I mean, it, it, with them talking about this 24-team format, uh, and we'll get into the details of it, but if you're a team who... The team I was thinking most of right off the bat was Pittsburgh. Um, I think you also get it in... I think you're also getting it in, in Dallas a little bit, but not as much as Pittsburgh, where... I mean, looking at Pittsburgh in the standings. They're at 86 points. They've got the number three seed at 86 points. The next closest team to them is 81 points. So it's only a five-point difference, and Carolina does have a game in hand. But five points over the final 12, 13 games of the season isn't a lot. I mean, that that, that well, I mean, it's, a, it, it's sometimes tough to make that up, especially if Pittsburgh was playing well. So you have a team like Pittsburgh that is pretty much set that they are going to make the playoffs and are going to be in that first round, probably playing Philly or Washington in the first round. I mean, at 86 points, it's just as, if not more likely, they would actually get jump into first than it would be that they would go uh, and play, you know, and play the the number two seed and be the third. Um, but the way this format is striking up, and I, I this is a piece from Alex Burnside on the Athletic. The way this 24 team one is shaping up, Pittsburgh may have a, a point if they lose in these playing rounds saying, oh, we would have been in the playoffs, but now we're not. And and they again, there's a little bit of a point there in that the rules were one way when you started playing, and now they're a different way. And it's not... And again, it's, it, it'd be different if the NHL season was just chugging along and they were like, oh no, we need Chicago to make the playoffs. Let's expand the field to 12 or 16 or something. But that's not what's happened. Obviously, the whole world's gone crazy. So again, it's that little bit of extending grace to someone and going, yeah, I understand that you're upset about this, but that's that's where we're going and that's that's just the fact that that's where life is right now now the the current thought on what this 24 team format's going to look like apparently there's quite a few teams that don't want to come back and play that have no chance of the playoffs they don't want to play I, I can't hate on them for that I kind of get that but the idea would be that the top six teams in each conference by or the top 12 teams in each conference by uh, points percentage would be grouped into divisions, and if you're looking at my, if you're looking at the video version, you're seeing this nice and clearly. If you're listening to me on the uh, over the air, over the the podcast here, again, not quite so clear, but we'll, we'll try to make it good for you. Essentially, what you how you'd view this is it's the top six teams in each conference, and the way that it's projected right now is there would be crossovers. Um, Essentially, the big crossover would be the the Rangers would jump into the Atlantic. Uh, the idea there being 
It's the top 12 teams, but you want to keep them in division as best you can. Um, you're, you're trying to maintain the semblance of the original playoff format, but you don't want a team like the Rangers to lose out to like the Buffalo Sabres, who didn't have nearly as good a season as the Rangers did. Now, the the concern the the next so the so the right now, like the Metropolitan would be the Capitals, the Flyers, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, the Islanders, and the Blue Jackets. The format from there, which is interesting, is that a lot of teams have apparently expressed that they don't want teams just jumping right back into the playoffs because they don't want the first games back to essentially be elimination games. And if your first round is a best of three and you haven't played hockey in three months, you're not really getting teams best. So the proposed format as of right now, so keep in mind the cap, the Metropolitan is the Capitals, Flyers, Penguins, Hurricanes, Islanders, Blue Jackets, is that those teams will play a round robin. And what that means is they would all play each other once. So the Blue Jackets would play all the five other teams. And then at the end of that, based on points percentage, that would set up a new ranking of the top six. The first two teams in the division would get a first round bye. And then the number three team and the number six team would play a three-game series, and the number four and five would play a three-game series. And the winners of those two series would then go into a playoff that is very much the same format that we recognize right now. Um, Now, I don't know if those would still be seven games all the way through. It might be. I'm not sure. But theoretically, that's how it would go. Now, I don't know if they would reseed it then based on that points percentage. Because like think like right now, if we just took the the standings as they are based on points percentage, Capitals and Flyers have the first round by, and then the Penguins and Blue Jackets play a three game series, and the Hurricanes and the Islanders play a three game series, and then the winner of those series would go into the playoffs. Now, if the Blue Jackets were to beat the Penguins in a three game series, they would still have a lower points percentage than whoever won the Hurricanes Islanders series. So, would the Blue Jackets then be the fourth seed? Or would they be the third seed if you take into account the games they beat against the Penguins? I I don't know. Uh, I didn't see clarity on that. My guess is that if Pittsburgh won that series, they'd be the three seed. If Columbus won that series, they'd be the fourth seed. And then the Hurricanes and Islanders would would stay, you know, they would either be the third seed or the fourth seed based on who won that series. That would make sense to me. I get people who say this is letting too many teams in because the 20-team format is a little different. Um, and how it works... I mean, you still have these teams broken up, but essentially you end up having five teams in each division. Um and how it would work, like, and in this version of it, it looks like the Blue Jackets actually jumped to the Atlantic, so they would be in with the Bruins, the Lightning, the Leafs, uh, and the Panthers. With this, you would play a four-game round robin in each hub, uh, which would be accomplished in about a week, and it would get you into the next play- phase of the playoffs, and um, it would be then a best-of-three play-in with the fourth and fifth-place teams. Uh, with the original teams that all made it getting a jump. 
the reason somebody might like the 20 team over the 24 is it's a better reward for having had a better regular season. Because we cut out two teams right away. Uh, the two teams in the East that that lose out here, uh, the Rangers and I think it's the Canadians, who would be eliminated going to a 20 team. And I, I don't think they could feel like they were unfairly cheat, treated in that one. Um I think it all depends on what you want to see out of your playoffs. I think the 24 team is going to make more uh, parity, and not just because there's more teams involved, but because only two teams get that by. It makes it... I think it makes those... those you know, the, I, I think there's more hockey to watch, too, which is honestly is part of the reason I would think I would prefer it. Because then you get the five-round Robin instead of the four, and you get two best-of-three playing series instead of just one out of each division, which would be fun. So I, I think I'm leaning towards one of the 24 just because it's fun. And, and it's not it's not, it's not uh, slated because, hey, the Blue Jackets are getting into either one of those. I, I That's one of the things that I really kind of find encouraging out of all this. The, the plan is not to jump right into one and, and the Blue Jackets not make it. It looks like the Jackets will play more games this season uh, in some form. Not as many as we were hoping, but you know, it, it's not because I think they still have 12 games left in the regular season. With this, they'll just have guaranteed. It would be the with the 2014 format, five play in, and then a best of three playoff. Uh, with the 20 team format, four round robin, and then best of three playoff, theoretically. Unless they made a jump and somehow got out of that, which I don't think is really possible. But no, I mean, it could happen in the in the 20 team one. Because um, in the 20 team one, looking at points percentage, the Maple Leafs are third at 579, and the Blue Jackets are fourth at 573. Um, in 74 games played, oh, that's a, that's a projection of it. All right, I, I apologize. Let me jump back up. Because um, he just projected it based on stuff. Yeah, those are more projections there, but. I mean, if you looked at the, I mean, in 70 games, the Maple Leafs had 30, had 81 points. And in 70 games, the Blue Jackets had 81 points. So you're getting into tiebreakers already there as far as points percentage. So if the Blue Jackets were to make the jump to the Atlantic, theoretically, depending on how well they play against a a grouping of Boston, uh, Toronto, the Leafs, Boston, the Lightning, the Leafs, and the Panthers, the Blue Jackets theoretically jump out of having to do the play-in round and right into the playoffs proper. They could jump into essentially almost a three seed, which would be interesting. I, I you know, it, I still personally prefer the 2014 format because I think you get more hockey out of it, which I would really enjoy seeing, and honestly, more of those little three-round playoff series. I don't want them every year, but for this year, it sounds like a lot of fun. So I'd be all about that. That's where I would go with that at this point. Now, in, in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts this week, he talks about how it seems the the discussion of the early June draft is kind of been tabled. And I'll read what he put here on, on the article here. Two weeks ago, when Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly sent out his memo advocating for a June draft, most of the reaction was, we may not like it, but whatever the league wants, it gets. The note promised 30 days notice, so we slipped by the June 5th and 6th date. 
the league could go back to its original date of June 26th to 27th, which was when the draft was going to happen, but online. However, there is a growing sense that the league office is backing away from this fight. Oh, no. Uh, that the league office is backing away on this fight. On the Board of Governors call three days after that memo, it's believed that approximately half the teams indicated they were completely against doing it before the end of the playoffs. Even more of an issue is there weren't many teams willing to fight for doing it early. One of the major concerns with having it in the fall is suddenly the sports calendar is jammed with NFL, tennis majors, golf majors, big horse races, MLB, etc. But that argument is not swaying anyone. And I saw this argument being made by other people. The one argument to doing the draft now is that you can try and push to get big TV ratings for being one of the only things on. I don't think it's going to happen, guys. I mean, even with the limited sports calendar... The reason the NFL draft does such big numbers is, one, the NFL is the biggest sport in in, in, America, in the United States. It is just is. Two, college football is also one of the biggest sports in the United States. So you're having a crossover effect where people who were big fans of p- certain players in college football are interested in the draft to see where they go. NFL fans are interested to see who they're getting and there's a huge crossover of those fan bases. It, it's it's perfectly made to have a huge just eruption of stuff. And when you looked at the top ten numbers uh, for the for the uh, draft this year, as far as ratings, Columbus was the highest ratings getter. Columbus did not have Columbus had uh, who was it? Joe Burrow, who would played at Ohio State for a little bit before transferring to LSU, and then also. Uh, he's from Southern Ohio, uh, Southeastern Ohio, Athens specifically. And then Chase Young went number two, but the numbers were huge because there's nothing else on. And again, it's it's a confluence of two of the biggest sports in America. The NHL falls behind on that in a couple places. One, the NHL is the fourth major league sport in America. Um, by popularity, it is definitely behind college football. So, I mean, it's the fourth professional sport, but even then there's other things more popular than it. And... Even people who watch the NHL a lot don't know the prospects. I'm definitely one of those people. And it's something similar to like with baseball. Um, even hardcore baseball fans who really love their teams don't know baseball prospects. Why? Because by the time you take into effect watching 82, in terms of hockey, 82 National Hockey League games for your team, as well as watching other teams around the league, you don't have time to keep up on who else is playing in all these little leagues. You have the CHL, which is made up of three leagues, then you have uh, college hockey, and you have European hockey, and it's not like there's an easy place to watch all of these. College football and the NFL are in a perfect place in that they only play a couple days a week. The games are easy to get to, and because they're limited in nature, if you're not aware, if you're not an American football fan, or if you're a Canadian who doesn't really watch college football in America, the NFL only has 16 games. They're going to 17 another season. College only plays 12 to 14, depending on your team. And it's all spread out, so it's easy to digest the information. Teams play a week apart, so if you're following stuff, you have a whole week of articles and information, so it's easy to keep up on both college and pro at the same time. So they know these guys. It's it's not... And the other thing is, we've talked about this, wait, we can't have cool trades. We can't have teams fix their cap situations if it's happening in the middle of the season. There's no reason to rush a draft. I'm not a fan. Let's not do that. Now, last thing I want to talk about this week. 
during our little law quarantine, I read a book. Yeah, look at that, eh? Um, it's The Instigator, which is a book how Gary Bettman remade the NHL and changed the game forever. Now, giving you an idea on the time frame of the book, um, yeah, you can see there it was published in 2012. So it was published before the half-season lockout. Um, so it's been published, I mean, it's, it's eight years old at this point, so it's missed a few things. But it pretty much covers Gary Bettman from when he entered the league until that point, 2012. So it covers some big things as far as a couple rounds of expansion. Um, it covers the lockout. Uh, it, it's a very interesting story um, about Gary Bettman. And, and some of my big takeaways from it, I always felt like Gary Bettman had this false accusation of like hating Canadian hockey teams or wanting teams out of Canada that's not what you get from reading the book. Um, and, and it's not like the book is all a, a glowing thing about him. There are times that are written about him, stories that he probably wasn't a big fan of him getting out there. But but they're, you know, it, it, I think it's a, a pretty honest look at who he is and, and how he runs the league. And my impression coming away from reading the book is, and I think, I think there's this false impression with some hockey fans who have been with the game for a long time, because in the mid-90s, before Michael Jordan exploded on the scene, there was this time period where the NHL and the NBA were almost even in, in how they were viewed in some ways. Um, they were getting similar things as far as TV money. Uh, the NHL had Wayne Gretzky as their big star, who everybody knew. It seemed like they were poised to take off. And then the NBA blew past them in popularity. And a lot of that is the Michael Jordan effect. But part of it is too and I, I think this is part of the most interesting part of the book is when Gary Bettman came to the NHL it was not run like the other professional sports leagues um, you can kind of tell how the leagues went based on when they went to highly professional setups uh, for for the uh, for the NFL, it was back in the days of, of uh, Roselle when he was the commissioner in the days of bringing in the AFL, starting the Super Bowl, all of that. The league took on a professional sense. It wasn't just a rich men's club of, oh, I want my team to do this and, oh, we need to set up a schedule this way. It really took on a more corporate sense. And some people hear that and they think it's a bad thing, but it's a sense of when you have a commissioner, what he's doing is he's keeping all these owners in line for what's best for the league. Because he knows all these owners are fighting for what's best for them, but he's got to get them into a mindset of, okay, you want your team to win, but we need the whole league to progress and go forward. The NBA started doing that, um, and, and they kind of lucked into it a little bit because they had Larry uh, Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson, that rivalry in the 80s, but David Stern really stepped in and did some great things there as far as growing it. The NHL was a mess until Gary Bettman got there as far as leadership. And as far as it just being a collection of clubs, just trying to see how they could dominate the league. I mean, it really, it, it, it puts you in mind of almost like, think of like a, a local kids league. And you've got a few teams where the parents are rich and they want, they get and make sure their kids have the best stuff. And they really don't care that, you know, they win a few games that, you know, there's this lower half of teams that whenever they play them, they win. If it's hockey, let's say, they win every game 10 nothing. 
as long as their team is good, nothing else matters. Well, Gary Bettman knows that for a league that's trying to grow, that's a terrible plan. And you also have to be on the same page as far as trying to get to shared revenues, do other things. So I, I think that the big takeaway when I read it was, if the NHL had had Gary Bettman or someone Gary Bettman like, I mean, it didn't even have to necessarily be him, but someone like him who was willing and able to bring all that together. And he's a he's a combination of a strong-willed kind of arrogant individual, which I think you kind of need to deal with a lot of these team owners, that without him, the NHL would not have even kept pace to what it has as far as with the other sports leagues. It would have fallen off. I, I honestly think you'd be talking about the NHL still you know struggling on things like having a tv deal with a major network or having issues with uh collective bargaining and and you know salaries going out of control you wouldn't have had expansion like you would vegas wouldn't be a thing the blue jackets wouldn't be a thing i don't think the minnesota wild would have been a thing maybe they would have been but i don't know i think you probably would have seen more teams move without a commissioner like batman batman did a lot of things to try and keep teams in canada um but it's an interesting book. I, I got mine from the library. Uh, I used the, the digital thing for the library at this point since there's no, since uh, you can't go to a library right now. At least you can't in Ohio. But I found it interesting. I'd, I'd say it's a good read for anyone who wants to get it. But keep your fingers crossed. Keep your eyes on Twitter. Um, I might do supplementals this week if we have big news come out uh, as far as if they've settled on a playoff format, if they've settled on return to play, anything like that. But thank you all very much for listening, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ShootOncePod.